he's good, y'all. Like, like he's good, good. But last week, Pastor Carl started a series for us. The series was on, um, I need to be obedient. I'm not going to ignore the Holy Spirit here for a minute. Heavenly Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I speak peace. Father, I'm not even sure what I'm speaking peace over, but I thank you that your peace is greater than whatever they're walking through. Father, I thank you right now, in Jesus' name, that this morning may not have been marked on their calendar, but it's been marked on yours since before time began. God, that you have set this family up to have a, a collision with your goodness this morning. Father, I thank you for the peace of God that supersedes and transcends all understanding. That comforts our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Peace in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Pastor Cross started a started a series last week, and he started on engage. And what's kind of funny is, when I scheduled it, I was supposed to preach on engage this week, and he was supposed to kind of have a free week, but it didn't happen that way. <clears throat> so whatever he pro- preached last week, that's what God wanted you to hear. But there are three things about engage because these are our core values. And we're going to change those signs, get them to match in a little bit. But <clears throat> our core values are engage, encourage, empower, and enjoy. The four E's is what I call them. And last week he preached on engage. And the, the aspect of engage that, that we focus on as a ministry is we engage God, which we just did. In his presence, we go after him. We want more of him. Engage means to initiate. To declare and to initiate, Right. When I proposed to Caitlin, I initiated a relationship. And then when she responded, I followed through on that relationship. That's all it is. In 2,000 years ago, he initiated a relationship to us on the cross, and we respond to him. Those are, like, so legit, those boots. Sorry, I'm just letting you know. Like, I just noticed them. Those things are legit. Anyway, sorry, total rabbit trail there. Forgive me. But we engage God intentionally. We engage each other, which I'll be getting into that today. We engage each other where I intentionally develop a relationship with you on purpose, not just because you happen to be sitting in the same church with me, but I recognize that God put us in the same building, right? And then we engage the world. We engage the community on purpose, right? So that's what engage is. Today, the second E is encourage, which is what I'm speaking to you on for this week and next week. When I spoke on this in Chalmette, it took me three weeks to get through it, so we'll see what happens. Amen? Um. But I got I to gotta tell you, I, I like to start with some kind of story every week, and so I have to let you know that there has been a major change in my life, and I'm, I'm learning to become okay with it. I, I'm not okay with it yet. I'm not going to lie. I need all the grace I can get. Y'all, y'all pray for Pastor Chris, right? But I wanted to set up some retirement, and 
my financial advisor recommended this certain life insurance policy that doubles as a retirement for different reasons or whatever. So in order to do that, I had to go get blood work done for a life insurance policy. Well, I go get blood work done, and they sent me the blood work back, and I don't know how to read them things, right? So I just take screenshots of the report, and I send it to my wife who knows how to read those things. Y'all, when I got home, you ever been called in the principal's office? <laughs> well, I don't know if you knew this, but mom and wife has a principal's office too, and it's usually the kitchen. So she's like, I need you to get in here. I'm like, all right, what I did. I'm like, what I did. Did I leave the dishwasher running or did I do something, you know, put the plates in wrong or whatever? I don't know. She's like, your A1C is pre-diabetic. Like you are you are at a, uh, a spot where you're basically in a pre-diabetic condition and uh, you need to fix that. I'm like, okay, what does that mean? And so she went down the list of all the things it meant. And I'm like, well, this is going to be awful. And so I, I wasn't on board with it, and so I left. I was mad. I'm like, this isn't fair, and I started, like, getting all spiritual. You ever, you ever just try to get super spiritual on something just because you don't want to change? It's a whole different sermon, right? But, like, I don't want to change, so I'm going to just pray and make it go away, right? Like, like, this situation is the boogeyman, and if I close my eyes and cover myself enough, it ain't going to hit me. So I'm like, Lord, I rebuke this. Well, I get on. I'm like, let me see what this diet looks like. So I found some, like, little website that you could like pay a three dollar fee or whatever and put in your information and since i had the blood work handy i put it in what the numbers were and my weight and my height and everything and it gave me back a metabolic age now in case you didn't know i know i might look older than this because i don't have any my hair is quickly receding faster than the coastal wetlands up here but um i uh i'm 35 i'll be 36 in june but my metabolic age was 56 and when I saw that, I had this epiphany. My dad is 65, but he's basically 85 with his life, with his life, life condition, with the five heart attacks and the stroke and everything. And I, when I saw that number pop up, the first thing I saw was generational curse. And when I saw that number, I said, okay, this is it. So I called her, and I'm like, literally, whatever you tell me to do, I will do whatever you tell me to do, except eat, like, certain green things, and I'm not eating tomatoes. So, like, don't give me tomato. Don't put tomatoes on the plate. It's not. I will fast before I eat a tomato. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure that, like, there was this box in heaven where God was creating things. And, like, he made mistakes. And tomato was one. Like, I'm not sure it came out. So it was mistakes. And then somebody spilled it, and tomatoes fell out. And that's where tomatoes came from. Tomatoes and pickles. I, I hate ketchup. Ketchup's an abomination, too. If you need ketchup on your food, you don't like your food. Um, but I'm saying all this to say... That since February 1st, I have not had one sip of Dr. Pepper. Don't rejoice. It's, it's, we're in mourning, okay? We're in mourning. You might be rejoicing, I'm in mourning. Not one sip of Dr. Pepper. I haven't had any king cake. I haven't had any sweets. I haven't had any chocolate. Like, like overnight, my diet went super strict. And the single reason, the, um, the single reason outside of seeing that number 56 on that little quiz I took, the single reason I'm still doing it is because of her encouragement. But a lot of times we think encouragement is just compliments. It's not. And for the next two weeks, we're going to get into what encouragement actually is. Because I'm going to be honest with you, right now our society is only okay with receiving one form of encouragement. Now that's what I'm talking about today, right? But we're only okay with receiving one form. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word, for your presence. I pray that you would allow me to communicate this the way you want it done, not me, all of you. We honor you and praise you. Let every person leave this place change, wanting and knowing you more. Amen. Open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians 5, 11. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11. I'm going to give you a little bit of, <clears throat> real quick, this is a little tip for reading Paul's letters. So Paul wrote 13 books of the New Testament, right? And when you read Paul's letters, they're written as letters. So just like you would write a letter, at the closing of your letter, you're going to make remarks and make statements that's, that are, you're fitting the last things in your letter. Like, it may not be the meat of your message, but there's still some things I want to get across that I slip them in, almost like nuggets. So at the end of Paul's letters, there are usually things that are like, oh, and this, oh, and this, right? And it's important to read those because those are usually pretty significant things that he just doesn't expound upon. And so here, at the, he's about to get into his closing. So the, this verse here comes at this point of this run, and he's writing about the day of the Lord, the, the end times. That's what he's writing about. And he says, therefore, comfort each other. When I say therefore, that means i got to look at what was there before. Comfort each other and edify one another, just as you are also doing. And he's referring to let us not sleep, let us not, um, let us not, be concerned. Let us not be worried about how this is all going to go down. Let's stay faithful. Let's do this and encourage each other as you are already doing. But notice how it says comfort each other and edify. Now, if you've been around me long enough, you know that when I, when I read the Bible, I apply as much grammar as I know to the English translation. Then I go to the Hebrew and Greek when I need to. But the fact that there's an and means a conjunction, which the, the phrase before the and and after the and are of equal value. So he says, comfort each other and edify one another. So if he's saying that, that means that he is using comfort and edify. Why? If, he doesn't, if he's not making a distinction between the two. And he's saying that both of these terms or these things have equal importance. So this morning we're going to look at comfort. Next week we'll look at edify. The word comfort in Greek is parakaleo, which means to call near, to comfort, to exhort. Or encourage. One of the most overlooked actions of a Christian and one of the most overlooked gifts of the Spirit, it's in the Romans 12 list, is the spiritual gift of encouragement. It's one of the most overlooked things in Scripture. We don't think very much of it because we'd rather be the one prophesying or the one speaking in tongues or the ones giving the word of knowledge, but we don't realize that the spiritual gift of encouragement. God puts in the Holy Spirit and gives it to certain people to walk in. You ever met somebody who's just encouraging? Like it doesn't like like if you know Brady and Shalmet, Brady is encouraging. Like I've known Brady for 10 years and I can count on my hand the times that I have seen Brady not smiling. And all three times were extremely legitimate reasons. That he shouldn't be smiling. There have been times when he had reasons not to smile and was still smiling. But Brady, if Brady's in church, I just feel better. Because Brady's in church. Because he just exudes encouragement. It just comes out of who he is. Every believer, regardless of their walk of life, financial position, health, marital status, whatever. Every believer needs to be encouraged. And every believer should be. 
period. <clears throat> That's the way it should be. It's an area that is so valued and needed within the body of Christ, but it's often diminished as not as important. This is not only something we should do as believers, but it's literally how the Holy Spirit, how Jesus introduces the Holy Spirit. Quickly go to John chapter 16, verse 5. But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me where are you going. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go. Y'all, this is Jesus. This is the Son of God who walks on water, opens blind eyes, raises the dead, casts out demons into pigs. Like, this is Jesus. And he says, it's to your advantage that I leave. And in my mind, I'm like, that does not make sense. What do you mean it's to my advantage? Or if I'm one of the 12, what do you mean it's to my advantage if you leave? That doesn't make any sense. He says, no, it's to your advantage that I leave because I do. if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Small random footnote. I believe the reason that Jesus couldn't be here at the same time as the Holy Spirit is because the earth cannot handle two members of the Trinity being active in the earth at the same time. That's just a theological thought for you to chew on, not part of the message. But it says, for if I do not go away, the helper, the helper, this was cool. When translated, the word helper or comforter is the word parakletos, which means the embodiment of parakaleo, which is encouragement. So the Holy Spirit is encouragement. Is, I mean, he is encouragement. So when Jesus introduces the Holy Spirit, he literally says, The helper, if I don't leave, the encourager won't come. See, now all of a sudden, when I realize that the Holy Spirit's mission is to be an encouragement to me, it also, it already takes the gift and action of encouragement and puts it in a whole different light now because this is literally how Jesus introduces the Holy Spirit. So when 1 Thessalonians 5 says to comfort and edify each other as you're also doing, what it's actually saying is give each other the Holy Spirit. Just give them the Holy Spirit. Well, how does this work? Because you see, I can't give anyone something I don't have. Well, Pastor Chris, when I'm born again, I have the Holy Spirit. Yeah, uh, yes, you, you're born again, the Holy Spirit's there. I can't pull from the encourager if I don't have him. And this is what I mean by that. Encouragement is more than compliments. You know how I know encouragement is more than compliments? Because perverts give compliments. Like a perverted person can give a compliment. Ooh, girl, you look good today. And it's not an encouragement. It's a perverted statement. But it sounds, it's worded like a compliment. So it, it is obviously not the words that I say that makes me an encourager. It is the intent or the meaning or the message or what's on those words that makes it the difference from being an encouragement or borderline assault. And the reason why I can't do this without the Holy Spirit, well, my iPad's turned off quick today. I don't know what's going on here. Anyway, when, when this happens, True encouragement comes from the Holy Spirit that's in me. Therefore, I cannot encourage someone if I hadn't been engaged in God. My, my ability to encourage you is directly related to my ability and my relationship with my devotion life to Jesus. Why? Because guess what? There's going to be days that I don't feel like encouraging you. 
Why? Because I'm not encouraged. But what happens is when I get with him, he fills me up to overflowing, and then I overflow onto you. That's what this whole thing, look at Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Totally different sermon. I'm not going to preach right now. Verse 34, brood of vipers, how can you, he's speaking to the religious here, the Pharisees, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word you're... Every other word men speak, they will give an account in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Good Lord, help us. For a tree is known by its fruit. A good man brings out good treasure. A bad man brings out bad treasure. I don't have something. I, I can't give something I don't have. And I know there's no good thing in me. So if I don't have Jesus, my encouragement to you is most likely wrapped in an ulterior motive. When you were in school, you had the brown-nosed teacher's pet person that would talk bad about the teacher when the teacher wasn't around, but always sucked up to the teacher was in class. That was my wife. <laughs> right? That's the, that's the I'm going to compliment you because it benefits me. I'm going to compliment you because it does something that makes me in a better light, makes me in a better situation. I'm going to come. I know you're strapped on money, so I'm going to come give you money, not because I want to encourage you, because I want people to know that I gave you the money. I want you to know I gave you the money. So later, when you're talking bad about me, I say, well, you remember the time I gave you $500? Now what you got to say? I can hold it over people, right? And, oh, that don't happen in a church. Psh, what church you been in? Anyway. But. I cannot give what I don't have. But if I have the Holy Spirit in me, one of the signs or the fruits of that is that encouragement just comes out of me. Pastor Derek used to have a statement where he said, you can light up a room by walking in it or leaving it. You ever been around that person that shows up and when they walk in the room, everybody goes, I'm so glad to see you. Because you know that that person doesn't bring encouragement. That the atmosphere around that person is drama. The atmosphere around that person is tension. The atmosphere around that person is awkwardness. The atmosphere around that person is prejudice. The atmosphere around that person is fear. Whatever it might be, that person has something on them that when they come around you, your spirit's like, Ugh. I know I got to love you because we're here, we got to do this, but... Ugh. Don't look at me like you ain't ever done that. I know you have. I've been in church longer than most of y'all in here. And yes, it's, it is what it is. I'm a pastor, and at times i got to repent. People walk in, and I'm like, oh, they came to the meeting. Lord, help us. Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. I'm just being real with you. But see, when the Holy Spirit is in me, I can help I can encourage when people are down, hurting, wounded, and lost. We have a responsibility because of the Holy Spirit inside of us. It's not something, it's not a good idea. It's a responsibility that he should be coming out of us at every turn. Why? Because it's who 
he is. And if I'm not encouraging, I'm not representing him. Now, how do we encourage? No, hold on. Before that, before that, I want to say this point. Also, if I can only give what's in me, I need to be careful what I put in. Have you ever picked up an offense for somebody else? Where like somebody comes to you and they vent to you about another person. And you empathize with that person that's talking to you. And when you leave that conversation, Bob is now different. When Bob has done you nothing. Bob may have legitimately hurt Jamie. Bob has done me nothing. But when I walk away, I have the same. And most of the time, it's not, and most of the time, it's a magnified sense of frustration directed at Bob. I'm picking Bob because there's no Bob here. At least I don't think so. There is. Sorry, Bob. But what happens is I allowed Jamie to put an offense in me rather than me just listening to her and encouraging her in spite of it and over it and to get through it. I allowed her to deposit something in me which shifted the way I saw someone else. I now have a secondhand offense. And guess what? The next time I get around Bob, you know what I can't do? I can't encourage him. Because what's in me about Bob is going to come out about Bob. It's so important that you're being very, very, listen careful to me, very careful of what you're allowing to be put in. And as a pastor, people come to you and they just dump everything. Like all the things. And I didn't, I didn't know this early on. The Lord had to teach me this over, over the years. If you're coming to me and you're, you're expressing your frustration about somebody, I can't empower the frustration. I can't say, yeah, I've seen that too. I can't, I can't say that. Why? Because then it gets in me and I lose the ability to speak to it. But everybody comes to the pastor. Well, actually, they don't. They go to the leadership. They go to somebody. They go to the person that they least likely think is going to confront them on their condition is what happens. When, that's next week's lesson. But this week, I got to be very cautious of what I put in. Because if I'm not putting in Jesus, I'm not putting in the Holy Spirit, I don't have anything to give you. But if all I'm doing is filling myself with your offenses, or all I'm doing is filling myself with my opinions of individuals or what they did, I want to let you know something, right? Like, people are going to do things you don't agree with. Right? They're just going to do what they want. And guess what? God may tell us about to do something you don't agree with. And guess, you, okay. Bible says, never judge another man's servant. To his master, he rises or falls. If God tells me to do something, that's on God to judge him. It's not my fault. If it's not clearly in uh, opposition to Scripture, do your thing, bro. I might think you lost your rocker, but do your thing. Now, how do we encourage people? Look at 1 Thessalonians 4.18 real quick. I got my Bible up. You can have you flip to it. I don't think it's on the screen. Oh, it is. Check that out. 418, therefore, comfort, same word, parakaleo, one another with these words. The first way that I encourage people is with truth. With truth. And what is truth? This. I encourage people with truth. We live in a, in a time where 
truth is subjective. I know you've heard the statement, my truth. You got your truth. I got my truth. No, you have your perspective of the truth. I have my perspective of the truth. You have your experience with the truth. I have my experience with the truth. I do not have my own truth. Truth is not subjective. It's not movable. It's not manipulatable. It is literally the truth. The sun rises and the sun falls. But where I am in Louisiana, I might have a very cloudy morning, so I don't get to see much of the sunrise. But the beach in Panama City might get a glorious sunrise. It doesn't mean that my truth is different, that the sun didn't rise. No, it means that my perspective of the truth is different than yours. But what we are doing is we are encouraging people to literally, we are empowering their own narrative. We are empowering their own opinion as truth of what happened to them. And it's literally one of the worst things we can do. Because I'm not going to lie to you, most of the time, people screw up the details. We interpret things through emotion. We interpret things through past experiences. We interpret things through the way we were raised and brought up and all these different things, right? Like that's how we interpret things. And the moment that I get in a situation and someone's coming to me to encourage me, I'm going to want them to encourage me exactly as I am, not according to some other standard. I want you to encourage me as I am. No, boo, I'm encouraging you according to the truth. Because as a believer, the encouragement comes out of my relationship with the Holy Spirit. And John 16 says that he will lead you and guide you into all truth. So if I'm not leading you or encouraging you or comforting you into truth, I'm not truly encouraging you. I'm actually empowering what will become a stronghold in your life. What do you mean, Pastor Chris? You mean Christians... Build strongholds? Yes, Christians intentionally build strongholds when they had their own narrative created in their own mind and people encourage it. It's, it's what happens. And I can, I can give you story after story after story after story after story of people in ministry, not just, not just Christians, people in ministry who created a narrative to fit their personal experience and said this is what actually happened. When you talk to anybody else who looked at the situation, bro, that's not what happened. Like, we, 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 we ain't beating nobody up over it, but, bro, these chairs are not polka dot. You're telling me these chairs are polka dot. They're not. They're gray, I think. A little purplish tint to them, maybe. But they got a little, they a little gray, you know what I'm saying? I made the point, and I'm like, oh, they're gray? I don't really know. Anyway, my point being is that I, I need to make sure that I'm encouraging people in truth. I can't encourage an error because the Holy Spirit only speaks truth. But what's happening is we've allowed the cancer culture of our society to creep into the church. And if you don't make me feel good about exactly the way I am, I'm not going to talk to you anymore. There are people right now at the other church in Chalmette that are, that, 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 that are going, there's particularly, it's happened before, it's happening again, it's going to keep happening. But there are people who are, are looking to do certain things in ministry or do certain things in life. And they're, they're trying to go to other people besides Caitlin and I. Because we know more ins and outs of the situation and are going to confront those ins and outs. I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to beat you up. But we're going to talk about the thing. No, we, 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 we're not going to talk to this pastor. Well, of course. Because I'm not going to encourage you in the middle of your situation. And if that person knew the reality or knew the truth, of what I knew, they would say the same exact thing. But people don't want to be confronted with truth. They want to be they want to they want to be encouraged 
in the way that they are to be the way that they are. I'm going to give you this, 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 this deal, right? You need to have a friend who is okay with hurting your feelings. If you don't, you need to find one. Those are the best friends to have. The friends that will come up to you and say, bro, you need a mint. I love you, but whatever you ate for dinner is still there. I know you, I hope you brush your teeth this morning. It's still there. Get a mint. Kobe Bryant said one of the most ridiculous things is when people can't push past awkwardness to get a job done. And he said, if I'm sitting down with you for dinner and you got a piece of parsley in your teeth, it's going to be awkward for me to stop you and say you got something in your teeth. But I'm going to push past the awkwardness because you got something in your teeth. I'm not going to let you sit there like a fool for an hour with something in your teeth. You need people who are going to be able to say, hey, bro, girl, you got something in your teeth. And see, you know, uh, your breath stinks and something in your teeth, those are superficial. What I'm referring to is, bro, you're living with an offense. It comes out of every conversation you're in. You won't hang out with us. You won't talk to us. You're living under an offense. Let's address it. I live under an offense. Really? Now you're offended with me because I called it out. It's the truth. And if you don't have people, and you got to realize, we have to give these people access. When you get married, that person automatically has access, right? But half the time, you need to be told something about them. I need people in my life who are going to tell me, I'm just letting you know, bro, like, it ain't good. I got people who will call me. Adam Brown's the closest. I mean, I got brothers, too. If you got brothers, they look for it. Like, siblings are going to find a way to be like, bro, you got parsley in your teeth. No, I don't. Okay, I thought you did. <laughs> like, they're going to be looking for it, right? But I got, like, Adam Brown's one of those people in Shelmet. Like, me and Adam have been friends for, like, 15, 20 years, whatever it is. Adam has no problem coming to me and saying, hey, I want to let you know, yesterday when you were preaching, you said X. And you, I know you didn't mean it, but you said X, and it was wrong, and you should probably fix it. Oh, okay. I got people who will get in my business and give me the truth. Why? Because I don't want to be encouraged on something false. I'm a musician, right? And one of, the, one of the most uncomfortable and unfortunate things about the music world is when people encourage someone on an instrument, and they're amazing when they're not. Man, you're killing it. I'm like, mm hmm. Hmm. I don't need, I've been playing drums 30 years. I don't need you to play drums like me. But if you can't keep a beat, if you can't do a drum fill and land back on the one or even know what I'm talking about, you're not the greatest drummer. You're not this amazing person. Let's have truth so I can grow. But people ain't looking for that. They want to be encouraged as they are, where they are, to be who they want to be. And that's not truth. If I'm going to encourage under the guidance and leading and power of the Holy Spirit, it has to be through truth. The second thing is relationship. Comfort and encourage. Still, this is from 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Each other. Relationship. We don't always even need to say anything. Sometimes you just got to be there for somebody. You got to be there. Destiny's here this morning, and we, we go way back. We've been through 47 different kinds of hell together. And at one particular time, her mom was having this massive surgery due to some cancer she had, and it was going to be like, we, they didn't know how long she was going to be under. It was like this big old long deal. Well, I mean, I don't like hospitals. Like, 
I wish that it was the 1920s and the guys sat in the lobby smoking cigars while the ladies had the babies. Like, I don't want nothing to do with hospitals. It gets me super uncomfortable and awkward. But I went up to the hospital, and I got there. I don't know what time we got. And I just hung out. Ashna Main Campus, second floor, there's this long hallway, and she found a window and, like, sat in the window. I just sat in the floor. We just hung out. I went and got Chick-fil-A. Right? Like, like we just hung out. I can't go do cancer surgery. I can't manage pain when it comes out. I can't do all But I can sit. I can keep your mind off of it. We can talk about something else. We can play rummy. Like, we, we can do something. I can be here with you. Encourage each other. Sometimes we, I don't know what to say. Then don't. Just show up. There was a time in my life where regardless of the situation, you could bring me a Dr. Pepper and all things would be great. That's not that time anymore. But it was great for a long time, for 35 years. It was great. Sometimes we don't need to just be there. But we need to serve or get our hands dirty. And see, that's a... See, there's the relationship where I can tell you you're doing great or I can tell you you got something in your teeth. And then there's, I need to come sit with you because, you know, you're waiting in the hospital. It's another thing when I got to come to your house and clean it because you can't. I remember um, one of the guys in Shelmet, Cliff Wilson, used to get these cluster headaches, these migraines. The, the, the non-medical term for them is suicide headaches because they're, they're so excruciating and there's nothing that really makes them stop and you want to just commit suicide from them. And he was, he was getting these bad spells. The Lord healed him. But he's been, he was getting these bad, bad spells. And one time he was in a spell and he was having headaches every day for three, four hours at a time. And there was, he would just lay in the bed and moan. And his wife, Rachel, would be in the room praying and, and warring and, and, and praying for healing. Well, one night she sends a text to me saying, it's real bad. I've already given him two of the shots that usually stop it. The third one can, like, potentially fry his heart or something like that. I can't give it to him in the amount of time. We need, him, like, we need God to move right now. So I get up, get in my vehicle, drive to their house. I call Brett Testator. Let's go to the house. And we walk in, and we just start, we pray for about two and a half hours. In the room. I've only done this once, but I actually had popped blood vessels in my face from how intensely we were praying and crying. Because he was, in, at one point, he was laying on the floor, slamming his head against the headboard, trying to knock himself unconscious. It was so bad. And so we're just weeping and we're praying. And finally, we got some relief. He was able to go to sleep. But when we walk out, I remember Rachel saying something like, I didn't even feed my kids dinner. Like, I, it's like 10 p.m. and they haven't eaten since lunch. We walk out. And two other women in the church came, didn't even tell Rachel, had cooked for the kids, fed the kids dinner, bathed the kids, put the kids to bed, cleaned up the kitchen, and were doing laundry. And she walked out to see this. They didn't say a word. They didn't come in the back and pray. They just got their hands dirty. And I think it's one of the most overlooked things imaginable when people just think that I have to say the right thing or do the right thing or I can't help because I don't have any money. Listen very carefully. One of the best things you can do is if, I, if I'm in the middle of a fight, is just come stand next to me and fight with me. It's, it's, it's so – there were, there were times we were – when Caitlin fell a couple years ago, she fell down the stairs and broke, uh, broke her big toe in half. 
um, and had to have surgery, and I was out of town, and, and um, Addison had thrown up in her bed, and was covered in throw up, and came down and threw up some more, and it was throw up everywhere, and Caitlin slips, her big toes pointing at the ceiling, like, it was just a bad situation, right, and I'm in Houston, I'm landing in Houston, this is a, you know, great time to have this happen, well, I start calling people from Houston to go help my wife, and shout out, you know the up the road, down the road term, right? We live down the road. So I just start down the road and work my way up the road. Well, nobody answered until Plaza Drive. First person to answer the phone was Rachel Wilson, the same person that I was at their house till 10 p.m. praying over her husband. I told her what happened. Before I was off the phone, I heard the dinging of her car. She got in her car, went down to my house, was she there when you, was she still there when you, were you still there when she got there? Her uncle came and brought her to the hospital. Rachel gets to my house and not only sits there till she gets home from the hospital, which was going to take forever because it's the emergency room, but she cleans up the throw up. Like, I don't know if you're that kind of person. I can't clean up puke. I add to the puke. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just that person. Right, I'm just not the guy. If you're throwing up, I will pray for you like this. <laughs> Bless you. Lord, heal him. And Lord, anoint someone else to clean it because I will just add when my kids throw up. I'm like, I got to walk away. I just can't do it. She went and cleaned up my kid's throw up. Bathed my kid who was in throw up and sat there and held Addison until she went to sleep because she was scared because mommy was hurt. She just got her hands dirty. It's encouragement. It's the same thing. And this is who we are called to be because of who lives on the inside of us. In an age where words have never had less meaning, actions and relationships are priceless. In an age where words have never had less meaning, actions and relationships are priceless. Who can you call at 3 a.m.? If you have trouble with that question, then you should answer this one. Who can call you at 3 a.m.? And if that list is short, that's why you can't call nobody. Who are you encouraging? And lastly, so we've got truth, relationship, and the last one is testimony. One of the best ways that I find encouragement is through testimonies. I know that God is the same, and if he did it for them, he can do it for me. This is why life groups are so important in what we do as a church because it allows me to get with people who are walking the same life as me and I can hear what God does in their life. But in a second part to this, that's why it's so important to have relationships with people of different generations than you. Because Miss Francine has testimonies of the faithfulness of God from seasons of life I haven't walked through yet. But then at the same time, Miss Francine can watch God do things in my life today that she had in her life 30 years ago and prove to the fact that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But if I'm not in relationship with people, I don't know the, the valleys, so I can't know when God brings them to a mountain. I, I, I love talking to old Christians. I don't mean older. I mean old. None of y'all in here are old. I mean old. Well, my grandma was 88 years old. 
I love asking. She's been serving Jesus for over 50 years. I love asking her, just tell me stories. Tell me stories. Tell me something God did. Tell me something he did. Tell me about his faithfulness. Tell me about his goodness. Tell me, tell me about the night grandpa died, how he got you through it. Only man she ever kissed. Tell me, tell me what that was like, 45 years of marriage, 47 and a half years of relationship. Tell me what that was like. How did God get you? I want, I want to know that. Why? Because, you know what, 40 years from now, I might be in that same position. And I won't be able to ask grandma then. I could ask her now. But one of the ways I can be encouraged is to just know the testimonies. Is to be around people. Revelation 12.10 says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And they love their lives and even unto death. When I know the power of somebody's testimony, when I know the power of if God did it for Mr. Norman, God can do it for me. And what's really crazy is because of the dynamic shift we've had in both of our churches, I've been serving the Lord 30 years this year. 1992 was when I got born again in Fort Worth, Texas in a children's crusade. It marked, like I am 100% positive that was my salvation experience. So I can count from five. But now I'm saved 30 years. And we don't have that many people who have been saved 30 years at either church. So now I've become the old dude. Like I've become, Pastor Chris, what well, but guess what? I'm the old dude, but I have never had a teenager. I did youth ministry, and I wish I could have claimed all them suckers on my taxes, but I couldn't. But I did youth ministry for 10 years, but I still haven't had a teenager in my own house yet. So while I got 30 years of Christianity, there's still seasons I'm going to walk through that I need to see him brand new in. And you might be serving the Lord for 10 years, but you've had a teenager. So guess what? One day, I'm going to come sit down with you and say, how in the world did, are you not in prison for murder? I don't know. How? See, my mama was good with teenagers. She says that was the best run of her time as parenting. She's the anomaly. She, she loved when all three of us, were, Cliff eh, gave her some trouble. But me and Cody, she loved the heck out of it, right? Like she loved having teenagers in her house. So guess what? When I got teenagers, mama, what, what did you do? Jesus. Right? Now, I'm praying it's not going to be like that. I probably enjoy it just like she did. But the whole point is there are things I'm going to walk through that I haven't had the chance to see God moving yet, but you have. And if I don't know your story, if I'm not in relationship with you, I don't know what God's done. And if I don't know what God's done in you, I don't have more context for what God can do in me. And what I need is I need as much context of what God can do because you don't know when you're going to need to know it. I just a, a, a friend of mine, somebody I just met recently, helping us with the building situation in Chalmette, was flying in and doing meetings with us. Flies in the first, weekend of, first week of January, and he's complaining about some back pain. Like he felt he had a pinched nerve or something in the middle of his, like in between his shoulder blades. Just bothering him, so we prayed for him, and he said it stopped. He had a meeting, and he was still, maybe he thought he tweaked it, sleeping in hotel beds or whatever. Comes back two weeks later, and is still complaining about the pain, but this time he's swollen. And I'm like, something off here. He goes home, goes to see his doctor. They take an x-ray, send him to the hospital. He's got a mass the size of a softball. It's lymphoma. No warning. No heads up. Boom. 
fighting for his life when the day before he was making vacation plans. You can't try to make relationships then. You better have them now. You better have relationships and truth now. You better have these things now because you'll need all of them when life comes to fight. And so what I want to ask you this morning, to, to, we're going to do two things. What I want to ask you this morning first is who right now, if I walked up to you and said, who did you intentionally encourage last week? Like, who did I intentionally, like, not, oh, your hair looks pretty. Like, who did I say, I'm going to church today, and I'm going to encourage X. I'm going to group tonight, and I'm going to encourage this person. Or, I'm going today, and I remember challenging my youth years ago. I want you to go to youth Wednesday night, because one of the things I used to always preach, and I say it all the time about churches, churches should not feel like a high school cafeteria. When you walk in, everybody's got their little table they sit at, and then there's a few people who don't sit anywhere, and you got the two that walk to every table. That's not how it should feel in here. It should feel like Thanksgiving in here, where everybody loves everybody, and we can't wait to just pig out together, right? That's what it should feel like. But I, I remember telling them, I want you to make it a goal Wednesday night to not leave until you've encouraged 10 people, until you've encouraged 15 people, and not necessarily even each other in the room. 15, you should have seen them suckers on Wednesday night. They running around making sure they talk to 15 people because they didn't want to tell me they didn't get to. But being, who have you intentionally encouraged? Then my second question is, who's intentionally encouraging you? Who have you developed a relationship with enough to be able to say that person will come get their hands dirty in my life? That person will, will, will get involved. Who are you going to get involved with? What we want to do this morning, I want you to bow your heads today. I know I've got to get on the road in a minute, but I know there's an awesome team here. Actually, can you put on the recording of Worthy Is Your Name? Play till she does that, though, if you can. You can be here today. And um, you can be here this morning. And you may be saying, Pastor Chris, I need some encouragement. Maybe, maybe you don't have, maybe you don't have the relationships. Maybe you're just going through it and getting your butt kicked. I don't know. But if you're here this morning, you can say, Pastor Chris, I need some encouragement in my life. I want you to stand up out of your seat and come up here.